Well, does anyone know who this is in, in the picture here? Not, not the guy in the, in the background. We should all know him. That's Martin Luther King Jr. But the woman in the foreground, anyone know who that is? It's Rosa Parks. Uh, the U.S. Congress has named her the First Lady of Civil Rights or the Mother of the Freedom Movement. It's her story that I want to start with here today, as I'm going to challenge all of us on what it takes, what it looks like to rise up and lead courageously. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's chosen to be with us today, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services later on today. Uh, I do want to come back to uh, the story of Rosa Parks. But first of all, uh, I, I want to uh, celebrate something with you and then remind you of something as well. As most of you know, uh, we have recently added a fourth worship experience. And people have been asking, how are things going? what's attendance been like through it. And while there's always things that we, we can improve on, areas for growth, uh, our volunteers have done an absolutely amazing job. Things are going well. And outside of snow days like today, attendance has been absolutely great. So three out of the four Sundays so far have been over 1,600 people. Two out of the four have been over 1,700 people. And last Sunday, we had 1,976 people in church, which is amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. We've actually never had over 1,800 people on a non-holiday normal Sunday before. We couldn't have fit 1,900 people into our three services, and so attendance has been going well. Things have been going well as well. Second of all, I want to remind you that coming up on Sunday, December 9th, is our annual year-end offering that goes to fund the I Heart Wyoming initiative. I Heart Wyoming is our effort to come alongside uh, other churches around our state to resource them financially and partner with them as they seek to serve their communities in tangible ways. The long-term goal of iHeart is to elevate, expand, and reinforce the credibility of God's church across denominations in all 23 counties of our great state. Last year's offering total was $94,836. And with that, we partnered with 16 different churches. We gave away $83,222 to 16 churches for outreach projects and events. The remainder of that money was used in other ways outside of events or projects to elevate, expand, and reinforce the credibility of God's church. This offering is above and beyond your regular giving. So don't kind of transfer giving. Keep giving what you are. If you can't give anything else, that's fine. It's above and beyond your regular giving. And I'm just asking everyone who calls Element Church home to pray. God, what do you want to give through me? What do you want to give through me? And then be faithful to give that. I don't want this to be a burden on any, anyone, but I do want us to be obedient, amen, to what God asks us to do. And uh, so I say this every time. No one person can do everything, but we can all do something. And if we all do something, we'll end up accomplishing everything. So that's Sunday, December 9th. Be praying about what God wants to give through you. Back to the, the Rosa Parks uh, story. On December 1st, 1955, I think 99% of us know uh, at least part of her story. December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, when the white-only section of her bus had filled up, she refused, defied the orders of her white bus driver 
to give up her seat in what was called the colored section for a white passenger that had got, gotten on on board. Now, Rosa was not the first, definitely not the only person to resist segregation laws at that time. But her one act of courageous leadership was a catalyst in the civil rights movement and really a turning point in turning around some of the segregation laws that plagued our country at the time. Later in life, when asked about that one righteous, defiant moment in her life, she said something very powerful. I loved this quote from Rosa. She said this, People always say that I stayed in my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. Isn't that powerful? She went on to say this, when that white bus driver stepped back toward us, when he waved his hand and ordered us out, up out of our seats, I felt a determination cover my body like a quilt on a winter night. It's powerful. But her courage didn't stop on the bus that day. Did you know that she continued fighting for civil rights? That, that really through the remainder of her life, she kept leading courageously in the civil rights movement well into her late 80s and early 90s, fighting for the equal rights of all minority people in America, really only ending her fight at the tail end of her life when her, when her health began to fail and then in 2005 dying at the age of, of 92. We, we now know Rosa as an honored and revered citizen in the history of our country, but it wasn't always that way for her. She suffered greatly through the years for her actions. Initially, both she and her husband lost their jobs for her act of defiance. Death threats continued in their life for years, following them even to new communities. The treatment from the white community towards her only worsened, and there were even some people in the black community that scorned her for stirring up trouble for other people. Now, there was nothing I could find in the story of Rosa Parks where she was ever asked about being afraid while walking through this. But if asked, I doubt Rosa would have said there was a lack of fear in her courage. There, there had to be fear, right? Especially in those early days fighting for, for civil rights. She would have seen what happened to black people who resisted segregation laws. She would have heard the stories and, and saw the pictures and understood what it meant to, to rise up against this injustice in life. There had to be fear even in her courage. And that's actually what stands out to me about Rosa and other people in, in life, that, that her courage was not defined by an absence of fear. Her courage was defined by an absence of self. And if we want to lead courageously as well, church, we need to have the same kind of courage. Uh, we're, we're in a sermon series right now called My Declaration, A Challenge for Men to Rise Up. We have this Sunday and next Sunday is the, the last one. It's born from a book that I wrote and released a few weeks ago. They're, they're for sale at the Element Store. They're actually on Amazon right now as well or on my website. If you've not bought one yet, you can do that. So far in the series, we've talked about 
how we are called to rise up and finish what was started in us, overcoming the, uh, our past, our pain, and our present circumstances. We are called to, to rise up and be aggressive at purity, to take responsibility, to honor God financially. But if we're going to do those things, then we also need to lead courageously. Because the, the things we are required to, to face, the, the places we have to go, the risks we have to, to make can cause some fear to rise up in our hearts and minds. So, so here's the thing. Like Rosa Parks, I don't believe God is, is asking us to move forward without ever experiencing fear. Because there are fearful things we will face. I think God's asking us to move forward without self in the way, with the absence of self, to move forward in courageous leadership, which leads to our big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down or snap a picture of it, and it's this. Leading courageously is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of self. Leading courageously is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of self. That deep down, even if you're here today and you don't believe in God, don't call yourself a Christian, deep down, I think all of us, even those who don't believe, all of us want to lead courageously. We want to live for someone or something beyond Ourself. There is a reason we are inspired by stories like Rosa Parks and, and others in, in this life and in Scripture. But if you think you can lead like Rosa without ever facing fear, you will never be able to lead courageously. Rosa didn't lead without fear. She led without self in the way and made a massive impact with her life. So leading courageously is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of, of self. So the big question today is this, how do I lead courageously? How do I lead courageously? We're gonna be in Genesis chapter six, verse nine, all the way through chapter seven, verse 10. We're not gonna read every single verse today. It's just too long for us to do that. So I encourage you to read it on your own. You can follow along on the screens uh, here in the service or in your own Bible, that would be even better. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible in the Old Testament, so super easy to find. And if you don't own your own Bible, we'll give you one for free. Ask for a Bible free of charge. They're free of charge out at guest services. We'll, we'll put one in your hands, uh, put one in your hands today. Th this story, if you don't know, if you're already there in your Bible, you might see it. The story is about Noah and the ark. Noah and his wife, Joan. Come on, get it, Joan of Ark, bad pastor joke. That doesn't get better from here, I'm just telling you folks. So you better buckle up. It doesn't get any better than this. It only goes downhill from, from, from here. Now, you, you might be here today, or maybe you're watching on video, and maybe you're not a believer, and you're thinking, are you, do you really believe in the story of Noah, that he built this boat, and animals got on board, and they survived a massive flood that wiped out planet Earth? Yes, I actually believe that. And I, and I know, I'm, I'm with you, it's a far-fetched story, Okay. Like without the miracle power of God, it does not make sense. But I believe it, and here's why I believe it, and this is so important, okay? For, for all of us, we should just stop saying this altogether. We, we should stop saying, I believe it because it's in the Bible, because it's more powerful than that, okay? okay I, it's in the Bible, yes, and I believe the Bible is true. But I don't believe the story because it's in the Bible. I believe the story of Noah because Jesus believed the story of Noah. Did you know that? 
Jesus is recorded saying in the days of Noah and talked about this flood that wiped out the earth. And you might say, well, yeah, but we know that from Jesus because in the Bible. And yes, we do, but it's more than just the Bible. It was eyewitness accounts of what Jesus said. And these eyewitnesses recorded what Jesus said while other eyewitnesses were alive and could have said, no, he never said that. Jesus did not believe that. So I don't believe the story of Noah because in the Bible, I believe the story of Noah because Jesus believed the story of Noah. And there's some incredibly powerful truth in this story, by the way. Jumping right in here, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and, everyone say and, it's a key transitional word, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, I don't think this necessarily relates directly to leading courageously, but I do think it's worth noting, and so that's why I'm stopping here. I don't think it's a coincidence that Noah walked in close fellowship with God and he was righteous and blameless. The two go hand in hand. I think sometimes we want in our faith, our spiritual lives, just to fall into place without ever having to walk in close fellowship with God. But living in the righteousness of God is a natural result of walking in close fellowship with God. That was good, and somebody should have said so, so I will. That was good. That... that Living in the righteousness of God is a natural result of walking in close fellowship with God, okay? Noah was righteous and blameless because he walked in close fellowship with God. And then verses 10 through 14 says this, Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Bacon. I mean, Japheth, sorry. (laughs) Ham threw me off for a second. Now we're all hungry, I apologize. My mom told me yesterday she's making ham for Thanksgiving dinner, and now I'm so excited for Thanksgiving at my mom's house. Verse 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everything on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And then God said this, build a large boat. And that's where, I know you're a way better Christian than me, but that's where I've been like, time out, hold on, I'm done. Like, no way, no how, I am not building a boat. Like, again, you're better than me, but for me, I would have stopped right there. Especially when I hear the dimensions that are coming later on in the passage. The thought of building anything in my life, let alone a boat the size we are about to describe, is impossible even with today's modern technology. From verses 14 through 21, we're not reading them, but God goes on to give the dimensions for the boat he was supposed to build and what he should do with the boat. The boat was to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, with one door on the side and three decks on the inside. There's actually a museum in Kentucky called the Ark Encounter. They built a life-size replica of Noah's Ark with the decks on the inside and fake animals and museum and all type of stuff. Here's, here's a picture of the Ark they built. That's a real museum in Kentucky. I want to go there someday. It would be unbelievable. Notice the size. There's a truck on the ground on the left-hand side. Like, that is remarkable in today's technology, let alone When Noah was on planet Earth. To put that into perspective, 
That is two times as long as a Boeing 747, one and a half times the length of a football field, and I'll just let you know, I had a really funny Nebraska football joke planned for right there, but they had to go and start winning games, and so now I can't make it in front of Nebraska football, but I want you to know I was going to. And three space shuttles could lay end to end on the deck of that boat. That's just the length of the boat. But God didn't stop there. After giving Noah the instructions of, of, of building the boat, he said, once you're done building it, because I'm going to destroy the earth, I want you, your wife, their, your sons, and their wives to get on the boat, then gather together a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, get enough food to feed not only all the animals, but your family as well for an extended period of time. And then on top of that, what seems to be insurmountable, if not impossible odds. This is where I think it gets really real. Noah had to live out his full obedience in view of everyone around him. His friends, his family, his loved ones, his neighbors. And I, Bible doesn't say this, but I promise you they thought he had lost his mind. Lost his mind. The, the pressure not only of the project that lay before him, but, but the problems it would bring, the perception of other people, perhaps even the persecution he would face from those around him, that would be enough to cause many of us to stop dead in our tracks, but not Noah. Genesis 6.22, powerful verse, says this. So Noah did what? Everything. Exactly as God had commanded him. Isn't that powerful? Leading courageously is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of self. And the first thing Noah did, I think we also have to do if we're going to lead courageously, and it's kind of hidden in between the lines, but the first thing is this. I've got to risk my reputation. If I'm going to lead courageously, I've got to risk my reputation. Rosa Parks did. Martin Luther King Jr. did. And on down the line, Noah did. I think the hardest part for Noah in this whole story may not have been even physically building the ark, but having to face what people thought and said about him while he was building it. He probably lost all respect for most people in his life. And the same might be true for us, gang, when we choose to lead courageously in our faith. When we choose to rise up and finish what God started in us, overcoming our past, our pain, and our present circumstances, when we choose to live and pursue purity in the midst of a world that's all about pleasure, when we choose to honor God financially, building up his kingdom instead of satisfying our own cravings, building up our own, when we choose to take responsibility, when we choose to, to be different so we can make a difference, when, when we choose to stand out in this world, when we do that, there are people, even Christian people, who will not understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. They might call us prideful, prude, old-fashioned, arrogant, judgmental, hypocritical, and holier-than-thou. 
People might speak against us. They might stand against us. Some days they may even strike against us. This could separate family. We might lose close friends. It can sever the closest and strongest of relationships. But listen, church, this is so, so important. Until I would rather risk my reputation with people than lose my relationship with God, I will never lead courageously. Until I'd rather risk my reputation than lose my relationship, I will never lead courageously in this life. Remember, leading courageously is not the absence of fear, it's the absence of self. So how do I lead courageously? Well, Noah risked his reputation. That in spite of what other people thought, in spite of what other people did, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded. And this wasn't a one-time, one-day thing either, right? It's not like Noah picked up a hammer one day and entered the boat the next day. That would have been great, but that's not what happened. He did not risk his reputation for a day. He risked it for decades. And that leads to the second thing we've got to do to lead courageously. The very next verse after Genesis 6.22, which is where Noah started building the ark, the very next verse is Genesis 7.1, and the ark is finished. So there's no details here. Genesis 7.1 says this. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. So the second thing we've got to do to lead courageously is this. We have to run with resolution. Risk my reputation and run with resolution. As far as we can tell, based on the chronology of the Old Testament story and history, and based on how old we believe Noah and other people were at this time, as far as we can tell, between Genesis 6.22, where Noah started building the ark, and between Genesis 7.1, when the ark was finished, one verse, no, nothing in between, there are at least 80 to 120 years of missing information. No information. So at least 80 years of work on Noah's part, building the kind of boat we saw in that picture. You know what this tells me that God wanted us to know? That the details of how Noah accomplished the task are not as important as his determination to honor God by finishing it. The point was not how he did it. The point was that he did it, exactly as God Commanded. Determination was something Rosa mentioned in her story as well. In that moment where the white bus driver ordered her out of her seat, she said, I felt a wave of determination come over me like a quilt on a winter night. At least 80 years, at least 80, Noah worked on that boat. If we're honest, some of us have a hard time sticking to what God tells us to do for 80 days or even 80 hours, let alone for 80 years of our life. And we don't often think about this. We we, we kind of put on our our rose-colored Sunday school glasses and be like, oh yeah, Noah built a boat, big deal, right? But we, we don't think about this. Did Noah have other plans for his life before God interjected this boat into it? Like like Noah had to set aside his personal preference 
and his preferred future in order to live out God's purpose for his life. He was determined to do it. Talk about a selfless act to do that. And do you think there was any fear along the way? Are, are you kidding me? What if it doesn't float? Like if I'm building it, that's the question I have, right? Like, all right, gang, let's get on board. Please let it flow, please, right? What if the animals don't come? What if my wife and kids abandon me? What if it doesn't rain? Like those are all questions he had to have, fears he had to face, but he just kept building the ark. He kept working. He ran with resolution as long as it took, whatever the cost, no matter the fear, Noah was going to do what the Lord asked him to do. He was determined to do the will of God. Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, speaks of this kind of determination. He says this, Isaiah 50, verse 7, "'Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone.'" determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Leading courageously is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of self. So how do I lead courageously? Well, like Noah, I've got to risk my reputation. I've got to run with resolution. And then Genesis, jumping to verse, chapter 7, verse 4, says this. God speaking to Noah, seven days from now, I'll make the rains pour down on the earth and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I've wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives. With them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifice and those that were not, along with all the birds and the small animals that scurry along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. Now, I've heard this story, as many of you have as well, dozens upon dozens of times in my life, but I never noticed this one thing. In verse 1 of chapter 7, God says, get in the boat. In verse 4, he says, in seven days, I will send the rain or the floods, meaning you're going to be in the boat for seven days waiting for the water to come. Never noticed that before. Now, again, I'm positive you are a way better Christian than I am. <laughs> but if God said to me, in seven days, it's going to rain, do you know when I would want to get in the boat? On the eve of the seventh day, can I get a witness up in here, right? Like, I'm not getting in until I have to get in. I would have been complaining to God, questioning God. At the very least, I would have been bargaining with God on when I get in the boat. Like, God, are you for real? Like, why do I have to get in right now? I've been building this thing for 80 years. I'm sick of this boat. I just want a few days away, God, please. Like it stinks in there. It's stuffy inside and the cats are already in. Like, tell me, God, why again are we bringing these stupid cats? Like, God, I did everything you asked. That would be me. And the way you're laughing, it might be you. 
Maybe minus the cats, but whatever. But not Noah. Not Noah. Noah did everything as God commanded. Does that challenge anyone else but me? It's challenging. I don't think Noah was in the boat wondering if it was going to rain. That's kind of where we would be. Are you sure it's going to rain? I don't think he was arguing with God, bargaining with God, questioning God, or complaining to God about being in that boat. You know what I think he was doing? I think Noah was resting in his reliable God. That if God said it, I'll do it, and it's not my job to worry about it. The third thing we got to do to lead courageously is just that. We have to rest in God's reliability. Risk my reputation, run with resolution, rest in God's reliability. Just being honest, we'd probably feel a lot more rested in our own souls if we stop trying to figure out why God asks us to do something and just start resting in our reliable God. Just doing it. We have to begin to understand that God will never ask us to do with our life what is not first rooted in his steadfast love. That he will never ask from me what is not best for me. That in order to lead courageously, I have to come to grips with the fact that God knows more than me, he wants what's best for me, and he has a plan for me. Those are three words of truth. You could pray over your life every day. God, you know more than me, you want what's best for me, you have a plan for me, so I will rest in your reliability. I trust you. I trust you, God. I'll never lead courageously unless I rest in God's reliability. Why? Because the risk will be too great, the road will be too long, or the way will be too rough without trusting in my reliable God. Leading courageously is not the absence of fear, it's the absence of self. So how do I lead courageously? Risk my reputation, run with resolution, rest in God's reliability. So the question is this, am I leading courageously with my life? Are you leading courageously? With your life? Only you and God can answer that question. Which one of these three things we talked about is the hardest one for you to live? I think all of us will have a weakness in one of those three areas. So do you struggle with what other people will think about you as you follow Christ and raise the standard for your life? Is the road, does the road feel too long, the, the way too rough, the risk too great for what God's calling you to, and so you just kind of settle? That was week one. You, you just don't move forward because it's just too hard. Do you struggle trusting God, resting in his reliability? I, I don't know which one it is for you, but whatever one it is, it, we need the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts to move forward or we were, we're just not going to lead courageously. This is exactly what Jesus did for us, by the way. He did all three things. He risked his reputation. In John 7, we are told his own brothers did not believe in him. In Mark chapter 3, when his family heard what he was teaching, they actually said he's out of his mind. 
And in the end, everyone abandoned Jesus to the cross. Everyone. His reputation was gone until he rose from the dead. He ran with resolution. In Luke 9.51, it says, As the time drew near for him to ascend into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He ran with resolution, knowing what, what, what lie ahead. And he rested in his reliable heavenly Father. On the night that Jesus was arrested and eventually killed, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, overwhelmed with fear and anguish, Jesus fell to the ground in the garden of Gethsemane and begged, Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. He trusted in the way and will of his Father. He risked his reputation for you. He ran with resolution for you, he rested in God's reliability for you and for me. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've actually never put your faith in that Jesus. That Jesus who came, God in the flesh came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died the death that we deserved in our place, shedding his blood for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead and now he sits in heaven waiting his return to come rescue those who believe in him, to live with him forever. And he says, by faith in me, I can forgive you of your sins, give you new life today, and eternal life forever with me in heaven. I want to give you that chance today if you're here to receive Christ. If you bow your heads and close your eyes and just say this prayer silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, thanks for sending Jesus to lead courageously for us. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died in my place, you rose from the dead, and I'm putting my faith in you right now. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me new. Come into my heart and live in me. I'm gonna turn from my old life. I'm gonna do my best to follow you in my new life. Thanks for loving me. Give me power to live for you. And I will do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. I never know if there's anybody in any service that will respond, but as you know, if you're a regular here, we, we give the chance often. And some Sundays there's many, and some Sundays there's none. But we always want to give the opportunity. So if you're here today, and you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart. I'd love to know about it. You're among family. You're among those who've made the same decision. There's something special about acknowledging it. And so if you did just ask Jesus into your heart, would you simply lift up your hand to where I can see it and leave it up? I'd love to know about that. Anybody say, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. I can't see all the way back into the dark corners. Praise God. Right there. Amen. Praise God. Right there. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Anybody else? I see you, buddy. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. Yes. That's awesome. Listen, 
If you put your faith in Christ, it's the best decision you've ever made. It's the hardest one you will ever live out, and we want to help you in that process. So we wrote a devotional just for you called 21. They are absolutely free. They get you into the Bible, the Gospel of John, 21 chapters long. You read a chapter every day, and there's some thoughts about what God has done in your life and how now you can follow him. They are free at guest services. Ask for one. We'll give you one. No strings attached. All right? Let me pray for you guys, and then if you just remain still for a second, and we'll get you on your way. Lord, thanks so much for being an awesome God. Thanks for the new life we saw in this service, and Lord, we trust throughout the day, even as we show video sermons today, I pray that there be people who put their faith in you. God, thank you so much for your example of courage and for people like Noah and others in our life that have modeled a courageous leadership. Lord, help us to lead that way as well. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, we'd love to see you in the living room before you go. That would be awesome. And then if, uh, if you have prayer needs, anything on your life you need prayed for, stop by the purple tent all the way in the back. We have a prayer team that will pray for anything going on in your life. I love you guys. Uh, be careful today. It's slick outside. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.